Today's episode is brought to you by VidAngel. VidAngel helps you set customizable filters to remove profanity, blasphemy, sexual content, violence, and more from thousands of TV shows and movies all within their super user-friendly app. I love movies. You guys all know this. I love movies. I love TV shows. I love my kids. And I really love showing movies and TV shows to my kids. And I really love VidAngel because it helps me show the movies that I know and I love to my kids without having to worry about the content. Because you know how sometimes like you have those movies that you grew up watching and then you like show them to an audience and you're like, oh wait, I totally forgot that that like weird sketchy part happened. Like recently I really wanted to show my daughter Josie and the Pussycats and I was trying to think, I'm like, okay, I watched this movie a lot when I was younger. So surely like it's fine for my daughter. My daughter is obsessed with pop stars right now. This is a perfect fit. Turns out, turns out, the early 2000s were a different time for movie watching and the jokes went straight over my head and I was sitting there watching it with my six-year-old and I was like, oh, let's turn this off. But with VidAngel, you don't have to do that because VidAngel lets you set customizable filters before you even start watching something so then you know when you're sitting down to watch your show or your movie that it's not going to have anything in it that you don't want to see or you don't want to hear or you don't want your kids to hear, etc. Anyway, I love the service. I think that it's like super useful and I was so excited when they reached out and they asked if I wanted to partner with them and help promote it to my followers and my listeners because I think it's a really helpful tool to kind of have in your back pocket for when you want to watch things with, you know, your children or with a group. So VidAngel is offering a free two-week trial to listeners of I Just Want to Chat. Just go on to VidAngel.com and use the promo code WANTACHAT for a free two-week trial. It's no commitment. You could try it for two weeks, and if it's not a good fit for you, you could totally unsubscribe. But I'm confident that if you're somebody that likes to kind of monitor the content that you have in your own home or that you watch yourself, that VidAngel will be a really useful tool for you to have. So use my promo code WANTACHAT for a free two-week trial, and I hope that you love it. Happy streaming. Now on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the I Just Want to Chat podcast. I'm Mary, and I'm so happy that you're here today after a little bit of a hiatus. I'm very sorry. I apologize. Just know that I feel real bad about it, but we're here today to talk about so many things that have happened recently in the pop culture world. We kind of hop around a lot, but that's okay. Just roll with it. We're going to have so much fun. We talk about the Golden Globes. We talk about Timothy Chalamet and Kylie Jenner. We talk about the alleged gossip that Selena Gomez shared with Taylor Swift. We talk about all the winners of the Golden Globes. And of course, I had a rant about Joe Coy and his like bizarre monologue from the Golden Globes. So we talk all about that. We talk about Gypsy Rose Blanchard for a little bit and like what the heck is going on over there. We talk about Scott Swift and his emails. And we talk about the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So stay tuned. It should be a good one. Hello. Hi. Okay. Sorry that it's been a little bit. I apologize. I feel like I've been the girl who cried podcast lately. Like there have been a couple instances. First of all, December was never supposed to be an off month. I was going to have like a month of like fun, like best movies of the year, best TV shows of the year, best pop culture moments of the year lists. But then um, my life just got crazy busy. It's, It's a weird thing because I feel like I prioritize... I just want to chat a lot, maybe even more so than I should. But then I get invited to like, hey, do you want to take your kids to Candy Cane Street or something Christmas themed? And then I'm like, yeah, let me drop all of my responsibilities and go. Like I have to go make these like fun family memories. I might have done that a little bit too much in December. That's all I'm trying to say. And therefore, 
we didn't get any podcast episodes. I'm so sorry, but I hope that you are following along with us on Instagram because I, I stayed up to date on there and I posted a bunch of lists on there and on TikTok. And anyway, if you missed me, I was around, um, but I'm sorry that I wasn't on the pod, but I'm here today. And then of course I was going to do one last week. I had like technology issues and also I did record a podcast episode, but then like, it wasn't that funny and I don't want to waste anybody's time. So I just like deleted it. it that will be in the cloud for forever, never to be published. Um, but and then last night I was going to record and then I got randomly like a migraine, which is like a new thing that's been happening to me. Has this happened to anybody else? I'm assuming and blaming it on the fact that I stare at my phone all day long, but I've turned into somebody that gets migraines now, which is like never, that's never been me. And I've always been so smug about it. Like, oh, you have a headache? I'm so sorry can't relate and now like boy can I relate because it like knocks me out for a whole night but then I did get um out of having to do bedtime for my children so I mean you win some you lose some but I didn't get to record last night you now have heard two minutes of excuses and that's not why you're here you're here to talk about pop culture so let's do it hello so guys I'm still reeling from the golden globes and it is Wednesday so maybe you guys are all over it but I'm not what the heck was that monologue and much has been said about Joe Coy and his efforts. And I am just, you know, throwing my opinion into the mix, which is not that much different than everybody else's opinion. And I will say right off the bat, I recognize that stand-up comedy is an art form. I'm a very big fan of comedy. I understand that's an art form, and I understand that it's a hard thing. I understand that being... A host of an award show is a thankless job, as they say. And that's true because I'm not thanking him. Here's the deal. Here's the difference. If he had just, if Joe Coy had just gone up there and had a bad night and just bombed and was saying jokes and they weren't landing well and it was funny or it wasn't funny, but it was just kind of awkward, that would be one thing. And I feel like my empathy would kick in and I'd be like, guys, he's trying his best. Like I would be one of these people that have been in my DMs because I have gotten a handful of reactionary DMs where it's like, Mary, you're being a little too harsh. I I feel like there's accountability because first of all, everybody will say, hey, he only had 10 days to prepare. To me, that doesn't seem like an outrageous task. He's not hosting the Oscars. They weren't expecting him to like do bits or anything like and I mean you might say what's the difference between hosting the Oscars and hosting the Golden Globes I'll tell you like the Oscars they have different people that you have to interact with and you're introducing musical numbers and you're going around and like you're participating in bits and skits and like you have to have like a couple of like running gags throughout the show those do have to be written and curated all that was asked of him was a six minute monologue that should not have been a big ask for a stand-up comedian to come up with six minutes of material about the most popular things in pop culture. I, again, I'm not a stand-up, and I mean, who knows how I would actually do it, right? But I feel like so many people could have gone up and just done it. And again, this isn't about the fact that he bombed, and this wasn't about the fact that his jokes weren't funny, where although... Stand-up comedy is a hard job, but it's a hard job that some people do well. So, like, be good at your job. If I'm not good at my job, then I get fired, you know? So, like, like so that's how jobs work. But, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> but, he not only 
made that super sexist joke about Barbie. Like, in the fact that he thought that that was a good idea gives me serious pause. And he blamed the writers, which was the biggest thing I had, like, issue with, right? But him going up and saying, if you didn't watch, he said, Oppenheimer... First of all, he opened up his monologue in the worst way possible by saying, I only got this job 10 days ago, which means I just watched all these movies 10 days ago. So first of all, why do you want the audience to think that you don't care about what you're talking about? And why do you think that that the audience wants to feel like they're being hosted by somebody that doesn't care about their work? Hollywood people, surprise alert, want people to care about their work. They're very, you know into themselves and their art and they're very proud of it especially if they've made it to the level of where they're being nominated for awards because award nominations don't just happen those are like millions of dollars spent on campaigning to get nominated for awards not to mention all the marketing dollars before that like everyone that was in that room was very proud of their work so the fact that his approach was hey not only did I just like get asked 10 days ago, but I didn't even watch your movies this whole year. Like if you're a comedian, it is kind of your job to be somewhat in the know of popular culture. And saying that you didn't watch Oppenheimer or Barbie until recently, A, doesn't score you any points and B, just makes you sound like an idiot. Like why do I want to listen to somebody that doesn't care about the same things that I care about? You know what I mean? I'm getting so fired up about this and it's been multiple days, my goodness. But I am still watching Oppenheimer. It's too long. I haven't finished it. My 2025 goal is to finish Oppenheimer or something as if it's like the world's biggest ask to spend three hours of your time watching something that is very genuinely a masterpiece. Oppenheimer is from point A to B, one of the best movies that we've had in a very, 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 very long time. And everyone agrees. And it's okay if you like you don't like it, but to talk to a room of people who are all there because they're proud of their work and just like going up there and like belittling it. So that's dumb. But then he morphed that into Oppenheimer was based on a 700 page book and Barbie was based on a doll with big boobies. Does he know what year it is? How did he ever think that that was a good idea? And yes, he had writers and he did blame the writers and he said, hey, the writers did this. You laughed at all the jokes that I made, whatever. But he still has agency. He still is in charge of the words that comes out of his mouth. Like they don't have him bound to this contract that he has to say whatever the writers say. You know what he could have done if he wants to blame the writers on like these like bad and like let's take sexism, sexism out of it, right? They were just bad jokes. Like they were not funny. They were not good jokes. So his job as a comedian is to come up with something better. I could have come up with a million things that were better. Like, right, I mean, I should have maybe prepared and I would have if I were hosting the Golden Globes, but I would say like, like, I don't know, something dumb comparing Barbie to Oppenheimer. Like this year we saw one of the most momentous events of mankind on film which was, and then like you would lead people to believe that you're talking about the Trinity test from Oppenheimer or something, right? And then you say instead, which was Ryan Gosling singing, I'm just Ken. Like, again, these aren't great jokes, but guess what? I'm not a stand-up comedian and I'm not hosting the Golden Globe. So it's okay if like my jokes aren't great, but it's not okay that his jokes were so bad and also rude. You know what I mean? 
And then his like dumb Taylor Swift joke, which was like, I mean, not offensive. And people keep saying like, look how offended she was. All she did was like take a sip of water and then this like pretend like she wasn't amused because the tone in the room was already, hey, we hate this guy. So Taylor Swift wasn't going to like laugh at his dumb joke because again, the tone was already, he said, Barbie was just a movie about a doll with big boobies. Which is like so, again, like every time I say it, I'm like, I cannot believe that this is real life. This is actually insane. But so I don't think Taylor Swift was like offended, but he said like some dumb joke about how like the NFL shows Taylor Swift on camera a lot and so will we or something. I don't know. He could have made better jokes. He could have made a lot stronger of jokes, but here we are. Like I heard a good one on TikTok because a lot of people have been like, I'm not a comedian, but here's like five jokes that would be better than anything Joe Coy said. Somebody said a good one where it's like, here's Taylor Swift. And like, because she's in here, the net worth of this building just like jumped up $1 trillion. And now we all have to get out of here within the next two minutes or else we're going to be charged as squatters or something. Like, it. I'm not paraphrasing it right, but long story short, he... A, he should have made better jokes. B, he should have never blamed his writers. That was so cringy and offensive, truly. And I'm not easily offended. But when he said like, hey, I got this job 10 days ago. The writers wrote those. You guys were laughing all, at all of my jokes that I wrote myself. Shut up. Like that was legitimately bad. So anyway, it was career suicide in real time. Cannot believe that it happened. And he just like seemed like not, Nice. And then I like, I went and I investigated because I've actually seen Joe Coy live in person a couple times because I used to go to tapings of the Chelsea Handler show, which is so weird. And he was like a, like a person on her panel. And then he went on to date her later in life. And I actually liked them as a couple. I thought that they were cute. I've seen him in person before there and at like Another stand-up show, I think that he did... One time I went to this random, like, Russell Brand show. Isn't that funny? It was, like, in 2010 or something. Where it was him and then Sarah Silverman. Definitely not 2010. More like 2013, now that I think about it. It was, like, Russell Brand doing stand-up. Sarah Silverman opened up for him. And then I think Joe Coy opened up for both of them? I don't know. But, like, long story short, he can be funny. I watched his movie Easter Sunday that came out last year it wasn't amazing but it was a movie it was fine but I watched his promotional material for the Golden Globes and it was all so dumb I was like how did they land on this man and what I kept thinking was how and why and I mean I guess I could kind of figure out the why but Taylor Tomlinson Tomlinson is a stand-up comedian her special on Netflix is so funny she's so funny to follow on social media She has a talk show coming out called After Midnight on CBS, which is the network that aired the Golden Globes, right? She has a late night talk show coming out in a week. Why didn't they just grab her? And I mean, if we want to talk about the why, probably they they were afraid of her bombing and then her making that show look bad. But I think that they could be pretty confident in the idea that like she's not going to bomb. It's just so dumb. And then one last thing before we we move on from Joe Coy. But... I feel like his job too is to read the room first of all instead of saying like shut up everybody to everyone but like one or two jokes in if it's not working if you don't have the room if you're losing the room you pivot you just do something like 
I, I have an improv background. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that before, but that's how like I met my husband or not met him. I knew him kind of before that, but we started dating because we were in the same like improv group. Anyway, improv is all about the art of yes and, right? Like you never want to end anything. And by him saying, hey, I got the job 10 days ago and shut up, whatever. He cut off like any hope that he had of redeeming that monologue and getting the audience back, right? He should have just pivoted and said in his mind, okay, yes, I am bombing. And I should just probably try something else. And then just kind of spin off from there. And if all else fails, like what I kind of kept hoping for after he gave this dumb monologue of, I don't care about movies, but I'm here anyway. And I don't care about TV, but I'm here anyway. I wish that he or somebody else would have just like walked up and said, there's a weird tone in the room tonight. Let me just say, like nothing, like I had more fun watching movies and TV than I than anything this year. Nothing was more thrilling than watching the Trinity test watching while I was watching Oppenheimer. I was so moved when I took my kids to Barbie with me. Reliving the Eras tour movie was the funnest thing I did this year at the movies. I loved watching The Bear. Watching Succession and chatting with my friends about it was so much fun or whatever. Like, if all else fails, just talk and appreciate people instead of just like doubling down. Anyway, he's an idiot and we don't have to talk about him anymore because I don't think that we're going to be seeing him really anymore. And I mean, if he could redeem himself, I would love that for him. I don't want anyone's career to die, but I also like, you know, I wouldn't buy a ticket. Um, would not buy a ticket. So now let's talk about the rest of the awards. The big moment that everybody keeps talking about is Selena Gomez going up to Taylor Swift and Kelly Teller, who is Miles Teller's wife. Kelly. I feel like that's a tongue twister. Miles Teller's wife. Okay, I got it down. And Selena goes up. It looks like she has some scandalous gossip. Selena looks like she's very impassioned while she's talking to Taylor Swift. And then Kelly looks like she says... Timothy Chalamet at one point. Um, So then people have kind of crafted this narrative that Selena Gomez asked Timmy for a photo and then Kylie said no. It's likely Kylie Jenner and Selena Gomez have beef after last year's weird Hailey Bieber mean girl thing where they like made fun of her eyebrows or something do you guys remember that weird saga that was very strange but so they have beef because kylie was involved in that somehow so is it within the realm of believability sure do i believe that's really what happened i don't know if you think about logistically so timothy chalamet chalamet barely did the red carpet he like kind of ran on right before the show was supposed to start He did like the step and repeat for like half a minute, didn't talk to anybody and then walked right in. So the likelihood and then Kylie Jenner just kind of like met him inside, which by the way, credit where credit is due. She looked beautiful. Whatever she's de-programming from her face and body, that's not the right word, but you know what I mean? Whatever she's doing is really working and I really like it. She looked very, like, radiant. She looks older than she should be, but, I mean, whatever. I mean, like, she has to act like she's older, too, because she, like, runs a billion-dollar 
cosmetics company and is a mother of two, whatever. That's the weirdest thing about the Timothy Chalamet and Kylie Jenner mashup. Just by the way, the fact that she's a mother of two and that Timothy Chalamet is in like a stepdad position, which is so weird to me. But then also like, why is it weird to me? Because I'm 28 and he's 28 and I have four children. And so what if he's a stepdad to two children? You know what I mean? So maybe it's not that weird, but just like, it just doesn't seem like he's in like dad mode. But also the fact that Kylie Jenner has two children blows my mind. But yet again, it shouldn't because when I was her age, I had three children. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm trying to give them a fair shake. But it was very cute to see how like cute and in love that they seemed. I think I'm pro Timmy and Kylie. I think that's what I'm here to say. I think that I like them together. I would like to see where this goes. I feel like the Jenners and Kardashians have such a bad track record with athletes and with rappers where I don't think that they've dated an actor before to my knowledge, right? Well, I mean, Kendall, I feel like she had a good thing going with Bad Bunny and I liked that. And when Chloe and Lamar were good, I really liked that. But then of course, like Lamar had all those issues. But I don't know. I feel like Courtney has moved on to like a drummer now and then Kylie's moving on to an actor. I would love to see Kim. I mean, Kim moving on to Pete. That was very, very fun and endearing. I'm just saying I'm glad that we've like broken the streak of like random rappers that aren't as famous as the Kardashians. Well, I mean, Travis Scott is very famous now. What am I even trying to say here? I'm just saying that they haven't had a good track record with athletes and they haven't had a good track record with rappers. So I'm glad that we are opening up our scope. I would love to see Kendall with, let me think. I mean, I try to pair uh, Roger John Page, the guy from uh, Bridgerton. I try to pair him with everybody. So if you want to give Kendall a try, would love that. I don't know who who else could like I would love to see Kim with a billionaire businessman that has nothing to do with like Hollywood. That would be very nice. Anyway, I'm getting off topic here. Love Kylie and Timothy together, I think. Do I think that that's what Selena Gomez was talking to Taylor Swift about? I just I'm not sure. I think that it was about Timothy and Kylie, maybe, because it does really look like Kelly Teller said, Timothy Chalamet? But I don't know. Selena, Selena went online last night, as she is wont to do. She always talks, by the way, in the press about how I don't touch my phone. Someone else does my social media for me. It stresses me out. It's too negative. And yet every other week, there's a story about Selena Selena Gomez sounds off in the comments to somebody. Selena Gomez posts her like new boyfriend, Benny Blanco, which is a man I don't really like, but that's a different story for a different day. Anyway, like for someone that claims that they're often not on social media, not on their phones, we seem to get a lot of news stories about her on her phone and on social media. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Anyway, she claimed in comments last night that, no, I was telling Taylor about two people um, that we know that hooked up. And that doesn't really track for me because that doesn't really seem like the time or place to tell people because like they know that there's millions of cameras and stuff on them. And also, if I am reading too much into the situation, just like let me know. But it seemed like 
Taylor's just sitting there, right? If you watch the entire clip, Taylor's sitting there. Kelly Teller is next to her. Selena comes from like around and Taylor goes, hi, I love you. And then Selena Gomez jumps right into the gossip, which in real life, yes, that's how I want to be greeted. Every single at school pickup, if I ever see you around, if you run into me at a Target or something, just immediately start with the gossip, please. But not in front of a lot of people. You know what I mean? Like if I'm like, what what are the big social events that I go to? Really nothing. But like, I'm just picturing like, what if it's like right after church ends and I'm just like standing there with my family, but like I'm in front of a lot of people and someone just like runs up to me and I'm like, hi, how are you? And then they just like launch into a bunch of like drama gossip and there's like eyeballs on me I'm gonna be mortified so I feel like if I'm reading too much into the situation Taylor was kind of there like what but also like do you not realize that we are on camera and that there are many people watching me and Taylor has learned from the Chiefs games to cover her mouth while she talks like with her hand I don't know why I just decided to do that right now as I am on a podcast and this is an audio medium but she has learned to like cover her mouth while she talks. Her and Brittany and Mahomes in their little box, like that's how they kind of have their conversations because they know that the lip readers on TikTok are out there lip reading. So to me, it kind of looked like Taylor Swift was like, what? But also like, can you not right now? Like, can, can we wait? Can this news wait? You know what I mean? Anyway, I don't know. It is funny though, because some people have said, because Selena's like, no, this was about two of my friends that hooked up for that night. There were also these random rumors that Meryl Streep and Martin Short might get together. And some people online were like, Martin Short and Meryl Streep, are those the friends that hooked up? Which would be hilarious. And I would enjoy that. Anyway, what else about the Golden Globes? Let me think. Um, Best dressed, I really, really liked Natalie Portman's dress. I really liked that one. And then as far as worst dressed goes... I don't know. Some people liked it. I really didn't love the number that Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso. I'm not familiar with her. I don't watch Ted Lasso. I've tried more times than I'd like to admit. It's not my thing. Didn't love that look that much, but it's whatever. Um, What is the girl? The girl from Anatomy of a Fall. She was Annette Hewler, Anna Hewler, something Hewler. She wore that like teal dress that really needed a bra. Like it really just needed like thicker straps. And then she like needed like different hair. But she's not, um, I'm trying to think of where she's from. I'm kind of like just chalking it up to like weird like European fashion. Like, I don't know. Like, because I think that she's from like Norway or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm like way off base here. But I didn't really like her outfit. Selena Gomez, it it needed to be one length or like there were different things that had to happen to that outfit that weren't happening. And I didn't like that one. But anyway, I did all my fashion critiques, but then I did let everybody know that I was wearing a crew neck for a high school. I don't attend. I got it from a clothing swap bin when I hosted a clothing swap a couple years ago and I wear it all the time. That's what I was judging everybody's outfits uh, wearing. So, so there's that. Um, uh, anyway, the winners, no huge surprises. Oppenheimer won best drama. I think that just, you know, give them the Oscar now. I think that that's where they're headed and as they should be. Best comedy was Poor Things, which again, it's not a movie that I loved. I watched it. And I know it wasn't for me. So I feel like I can't even judge it 
because as I was watching it, I was like, ooh, like I'm really not enjoying myself right now. But I could appreciate that it was like artsy and like the cinematography was so cool and like the performances were so cool, but also just like capital A, like not for me, not a, not a movie that I enjoyed. Um, it was like very, 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 like I'm shocked that it wasn't NC-17. Does that make sense? Anyway, that one won Best Comedy. I just really wish I went to Barbie. I don't know. I feel like Barbie, like, it represents so much. It was such a good movie, but also, like, it really revitalized the theatrical, like, industry. Like, music, music, movie theaters were really failing. And Barbie, yes, with Oppenheimer, but Barbie really, like, launched it and really, like, helped save the movie-going economy, especially in a time right before the strikes happened. So I don't know. I feel like we're supposed to give them extra kudos. And I guess that did happen because the Golden Globes introduced a new award this year for like best box office achievement. And that was originally, I think, the award that they created to get Taylor Swift there because Taylor Swift was there because she was nominated for the Eras Tour movie. So I assume that it was going to her, but it does seem like such a silly award because it's like, Best box office achievement, that seems like something that's very easy to quantify. You look at the box office numbers and then you say, okay, who did the best? Who who had the best achievement? And then you give them give them the award, you know? Like, I do kind of like the idea of involving actual popular movies and stuff into these award shows and get more eyeballs on it and whatever. But box office achievement just doesn't really, like... Say, like, it would have been better if they did, like, a cultural impact award or if they would have done, um, I I don't know. I'm not in charge of these things. Give me some time. I'll workshop something. I don't know. But anyway, Succession, Clean Sweep, loved it. I was surprised and delighted that Kieran Culkin won over Jeremy Strong, even though Jeremy Strong, I am in love with him. But I do kind of feel like since Jeremy Strong has won the award so many times, I am fine with him not winning because Kieran Culkin... Who knows when his next huge role is going to be. Let's give it to him. Because he did the funeral scene. You know. That was that was something else. Um, Tom Wong scams. He won. I'm very grateful that he won that. Even then if that meant that he beat out my honey boy. Alexander Skarsgård. But he shouldn't have won for this. Because I feel like all he did was like use a Swedish accent. Which he already has. So I don't know. Um, then Sarah Snook won for best drama. Liked that. But I also would have loved... If that award went to Bella Ramsey from The Last of Us. The Last of Us won a lot of creative arts Emmys last weekend. And a lot of people on Twitter are kind of like revolting against The Last of Us, which is so weird because they're afraid that it's going to win the Emmys over Succession. Succession is going to win the Emmys, guys. The only one that's maybe at risk is Pedro Pascal beating out Karen Culkin and Jeremy Strong for Best Actor, Best Lead Actor in a a drama, you know? But I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that The Last of Us won all those creative arts Emmys because it's a very creative show with makeup and extensive costumes and huge uh, production design and like things like that where Succession is more of like, yes, their costuming, costuming is very like masterful and thoughtful, but it's not as like hit you in the face as a bunch of zombies. You know what I mean? So anyway, the Succession Emmys are safe. So everybody, 
everyone rest easy. Another piece of discourse, by the way, that I keep seeing on Twitter that I don't appreciate is that past lives, people are starting to revolt against past lives because past lives is like starting to pick up some momentum uh, in like critics and like other small awards that are like normally precursor precursors for the Oscars. But then the SAG Awards came out today and past lives won, uh, like didn't even get nominated. So that's probably the end of it for past lives run this award season. It will still be nominated. Would be delighted if it won some things. One of my favorite movies of the last year. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. But alas, Twitter is like being really weird about it now, which is extremely odd. But anyway, that was the Golden Globes. I really liked it. Christopher Nolan, he gave a good speech. And for a minute, I thought that he thanked Robert Pattinson because I don't know if you know this lore, but Robert Pattinson is the reason that we have the Oppenheimer movie, Hear Me Out. So while Robert Robert Pattinson, Edward Cullen himself, was filming Tenet with Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan would give these speeches to the cast and crew and he would quote Oppenheimer sometimes. And then Robert Pattinson, as a rap gift, like, thank you for having me on your movie, here's a gift, he gave Christopher Nolan a book of Oppenheimer speeches as kind of like an inside joke thing. Christopher Nolan read it, was so inspired, and decided to write the script for Oppenheimer. And Christopher Nolan says it many times, and also like Robert Downey Jr. and Matt Damon and stuff, they all kind of credit, like Robert Pattinson was the person that put this whole thing in motion and they wanted him to be in the movie, but he couldn't because of Batman scheduling conflicts. But like, I thought that Christopher Nolan for a second thanked Robert Pattinson because he said, and thank you, blah, 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 for giving me the book. But then it turns out that he was just talking about the rights of the book, American Prometheus, which is what Oppenheimer is based on. Anyway, that was the Golden Globes. I liked it. I don't like Joe Coy, but I do like having celebrities all in one room. And I like giving them awards because I think that they deserve them. You know what I mean? Anyway, let's talk about something else just really, really quick. This was what I wanted to talk about last week on the podcast episode that ended up just like not being good. So I saved you all. But last week, Scott Swift had some emails leaked because what's going on right now is Scott Swift is in some kind of like legal lawsuit with the old manager of Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift's old manager. He also managed uh, Britney Spears. His name is Dan Dimtro. I think that's how you pronounce his name. D-Y-M-T-R-W. Yeah, Dimtro. Anyway, Dan Dimtro was Taylor Swift's manager. And these emails come from 2005. So this is uh, from a very long time ago. But what's interesting is Dan is in this lawsuit with Scott Swift and Taylor Swift and Andrea Swift, her mom. Scott Swift is Taylor's dad. Did we already say that? And he's suing them because he thinks that he is owed money for certain parts of Taylor Swift's career. Whether that's true, I don't know. But in the legal findings process or the discovery process, they've handed over all these emails and Scott Swift wrote a lot of emails to this Dan guy and they're very unhinged. And again, these are from 2005. Like this is from, uh, how old was I in 2005? Like I think I was a fifth grader. So I mean like this, (laughs) these are old, these are old emails, right? So take them with a grain of salt. But what's funny about them is not only is he very unhinged in these, 
and he makes very weird jokes and he's very sassy about his wife andrea who he's now like separated but still married to a lot of people think that they're divorced they're not actually divorced they're still married for business reasons i believe is like the cover story anyway he says a lot of like kind of mean things about how andrea like keeps him on such a tight leash and blames andrea for like him not having like a lot of freedom to do things or like i would do it but then like you can't tell my wife and like that kind of stuff and he also seems to harbor a lot of resentment that he bankrolls a lot of these things but then he doesn't get to do like the fun stuff he's like who stays home and babysits the other kid while i pay for taylor to go to los angeles and stuff so these emails i'll post them on my instagram stories they're very long but what's very interesting about these emails is that Taylor Swift and her family, they've always kind of painted the picture that the lore of Taylor Swift is that she was just a girl with a dream and a supportive family and that she learned guitar from a guy that came to fix her family's computer and then she started writing songs and she entered into a poetry contest which by the way, she always says like, I, I entered this national poetry competition and then I won. So then that gave everybody faith in my abilities. But I guess I've watched TikToks about this. Let me know anybody if you've like ever heard of this. Back in the day in like the early 2000s, that was kind of like a scam run in like 17 and J14 magazines and like all these different things. Like they there would be like mailers sent out where it's like, hey kids, do you write poetry or short stories? Submit your poems or short stories to this like national contest and then you pay in money and then they give you an award. It's like, it's a, it's a scam. So she entered into this like scam contest, which is very hilarious to me. But anyway, so the lore goes like, then she won this poetry contest and then she started writing songs and then she like begged her family to move them to Nashville and then they like put all their faith into Taylor Swift and then through her hard work, then she got to where she was and she like would drop off her CDs at music labels and that's how she like got to where she is today. And while that stuff is true, while Taylor Swift did work very hard, what also happened was Scott Swift, who was a very wealthy man, and Andrea Swift, a wealthy woman, they were a wealthy family, invested Hundreds of thousands of dollars into Taylor Swift's career in the whole Taylor Swift project. And those numbers are laid out in these emails. And that's why these emails are interesting because one, they're unhinged. Two, because it really lays out that the whole like, oh, Taylor Swift like kind of came from nothing. Then their family took this gamble. Then it worked. It, 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 there was more, a lot more to it. So she... He writes these crazy emails and one of like the unhinged paragraphs says, keep in mind that I manage $270 million. Oh, let me just, let me set the scene here. This email is to Dan explaining, hey Dan, why am I doing so much work for Taylor Swift? Where's her manager? I know that you work a lot, but here's all the deals that I've made and here's all the things that I have personally done. Where's Dan? Where's our manager? Valid questions. When you hear how much he's done. And by the way, this is like a 20 page email. So I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to read like some, some paragraphs so you could kind of see the tone and what he's saying here. He says, keep in mind that I manage a $270 million 
portfolio, but more importantly, have 249 relationships with families at Merrill in a terrible market. My clients averaged a 17.4% return in a market when the rest of the complex averaged three to eight. I am in the top 1% of all brokers at the most prestigious investment firm in the world. I manage a staff. I manage my clients' lives, their money. I have moved my family to Nashville, cleaned out two houses, sold one, handle all the mail, make all the address changes, change all the registrations on the cars, the boats, etc. Jockeyed between Reading and Nashville, found out I had cancer on Good Morning America with Good Morning America in my living room, had my prostate sucked out of my body by a robot on January 4th, was in diapers for six weeks, and can't get a heart on. Everyone is running up full speed. We all have our own axe to grind. I actually have one less axe to grind. Don't know what he meant by that, but anyway. So he's kind of, he's crossing the lines in this email. That's why I'm reading this. He's crossing the lines of like professional because he's talking about his erections and whatnot. But he makes this paragraph talking about how much money he has invested into Taylor Swift. In just one paragraph about his spending for the Taylor Swift project, he says, here's a short story. There's an excess of $150,000 of hard dollars spent on travel, lessons, production, not including 29000 of duplication, $29,000 of duplication. So right now we're at, you know, 180000 And then he says those numbers and he says, have I complained? No. As a financial planner, it is, is it fair to Austin, her little brother, that Taylor is taking half of her estate now? Probably not. Ha ha. The move, delightful as it has been, involved moving out of two houses and all the crap that has to um, go with that times 10. The expense has been over $200,000. So now we're at $380,000. Not counting that I am being taxed in Pennsylvania and Tennessee. And then he says this year it was $31,000. So someone get me a calculator, right? We're at... So as of right now, if my math is correct, we're at four hundred and eleven hundred thousand. Is is that four hundred eleven thousand? Uh, guys, I have a one point eight GPA. How do I say big numbers? I don't know. Four hundred eleven K, right? Anyway, and then he says, um, then there were a lot of other charges and whatnot, and then he says. Then he says that he sold a house, and because he sold that house, he got a mansion tax. And then she, then he had to pay one hundred and fifty-eight thousand dollars. So, one hundred and fifty-eight thousand plus that. So we're now at five hundred and sixty-nine thousand. And he's saying this is in the course of a year. So the money that he has spent, real estate wise, family moves wise, and then he says practice lessons, travel, whatever, is now five hundred and sixty-nine hundred thousand dollars right? And then he says, um, it pushes me to AMT and I lose the 15% capital gains and pay another 500,000. I don't know what or what that means, but we're now at 1.69 million. No, we're at $1,069,000. A little over a million dollars. Don't you guys wish that you had a podcast host that knows how to read? read numbers wouldn't that be great anyway and that's just like a sampling of the money that they spent to make taylor swift a star does that take away from her talent no does that take away from her hard work and her work ethic no does that take away from the sacrifices that her family made for her career no of course it doesn't we're so grateful that taylor swift is here 
and that her family had the means to put the money into her career and whatnot. So grateful. Thank you, Swift family, for your sacrifices. But it does it just doesn't line up with the story where it's like, oh, she was just a small girl from a random town in Pennsylvania. She grew up on a Christmas tree farm. Like that's what her family did. Like they, there's a lot of details that were left out. So that's that's just what we've been looking at. All right, guys. Let's let's quickly talk about Gypsy Rose Blanchard. What are we doing? Here's the thing. I love pop culture. Did you know that? I love people getting together. I love cultural moments. I love rooting for an underdog. I love, you know, looking at people that aren't stereotypically celebrities, but we all kind of rally around them. Knowing that, let me be the first to say, what the hell, guys? What What's going on? Here's the thing. So Gypsy Rose Blanchard, where if you're not familiar with her story, this isn't the time nor place for me to tell it because it's like long and, you know, ethically complicated. She is the girl woman who was abused by her mother. Her mother had Munchausen's by proxy syndrome, where she loved the attention that she got for her daughter being sick and having different physical ailments. And somehow this woman that seemed like she had zero charisma from everything I've seen, so I don't really know how she's like pulled this thing off. She was able to convince multiple doctors to do horrible things to her daughter. And she would move from town to town and say that Gypsy, her daughter, had leukemia and that she had needed feeding tube and needed all this stuff. And that is one thing that's never really, I've never understood from this whole case. I've watched most of the documentaries out there. I normally don't engage in true crime. I don't like it. But the story, I used to be a BuzzFeed girly back in, you know, 2015. And when this story broke, they were like all over it. So I was very invested in the Gypsy Rose Blanchard story. What I've never understood is like how this woman was able to convince all these doctors to like give her a feeding tube when she didn't need one. Give her all this medicine, do all this stuff. Where like every time I've gone to the doctor and I have like a couple like medical issues, like like I have a heart defect. I've had very hard pregnancies. There have been times where in pregnancy, I'm like, hey guys, I haven't eaten in a week. That was like with my first daughter. I had HD. I mean, I was never diagnosed because nobody ever wanted to freaking diagnose me. But knowing what I know about HG now, I threw up until the day I had her. I lost 20 pounds. I was very, very sick. I needed fluids, whatever. I would like talk to doctors and I'd be like, hey guys, I'm dealing with this very real thing. And they'd be like, well, I don't know about that. Or like when I told them that I was passing out with my first pregnancy, my OB was like, hmm, I don't know, wear some compression socks. And then the next OB I got was like, hey, I'm going to listen to you. Actually, guess what? You have a heart defect and that's why you're passing out all, all the time. Let's figure that out. Long story short, how did this woman find all these doctors that will just do whatever she wants? I have friends that have like tried to get like ADHD meds or weight loss meds or whatever. And it's been very difficult for them to like find a doctor that will listen to them. So how did this woman convince so many people to do such horrible things to her daughter? Anyway, so you probably know the story. And then she, this girl Gypsy, she gets with Nicholas Godijohn, which is a boyfriend that she met, met online. This girl had zero maturity in, in the same way that I would not let my seven-year-old onto the internet to go chat with people because I know she's like impressionable. Gypsy kind of had that same kind of mind, except for she was also searching for love 
from anyone that would give it to her. So then she met this guy, Nicholas Godijon, who was a very disturbed individual. And they had a relationship. He offers to murder her mother. She goes along with it. She assists. Her mother is murdered. You all probably know the details. And then the ethical, like, hmm, what's going on here? What should really happen with Gypsy question is... She was obviously trying to break out from the abuse. She's been horribly abused her entire life. Was that just self-defense or whatever? Anyway, she just got out on parole. She was released from jail. She served seven years of her 10-year sentence, I believe. Maybe eight years of her 10-year sentence. And in the last two weeks, it has been gypsy mania. She is interviewing with all your favorite influencers. She is on the Nicholas, the Nick Vial show like on the nick vial vial files on uh like his podcast which i like nick vial i really do but does he have the training or the capacity to conduct an interview with someone who's killed their mother after a lifetime of abuse like those are the questions that i want us to be asking each other because Everything I'm being served about Gypsy Rose is very concerning because it's coming from weird sources where I'm like, why is this happening? Um, And then, so she's been released and her and her husband have been on a press tour because she was able to film interviews while in prison. So there's this three-part Lifetime documentary called The Prison Confessions of Gypsy Rose. I watched part one. You don't really learn anything that you didn't already know except for that she was sexually abused by her grandpa so her sad life was even sadder than we thought other than that you don't have to watch the prison confessions we don't learn anything new but she keeps going around with her worm of a husband and i'm calling him a worm because anyone (laughs) that writes prison letters to a girl that they know has been abused and shown no love her entire life and will be looking for love anywhere they can find it She said that she got 250 letters from people that wanted to date her. Do you think that those are all upstanding, nice men? Do ya? Do ya? Trying to date somebody that is in a horrible position, has nowhere to go. I mean, she does have a family in Louisiana, but like nowhere really to go after her incarceration is done and has a low level of emotional maturity and has a lifetime of trauma to work through. Do you, how, what do you think the guy's intentions are? You know what I mean? Anyway, but so she has, she's on a press tour with her husband. She went on The View and she had to uh, remind Joe, Joy Behar what a murder is. Like Gypsy was kind of owning up to her crime. And by the way, impeccable media training. I don't know what kind of media training they're offering in prison, but in, incredible. Like, the way that she's able to pivot and own up to what she did, and I served my time, and whatever. Very good moves from Gypsy Blanchard. And Joy Behar was trying to say that what she did wasn't murder for a second, and Gypsy Rose was like, ah, it was. And so there's that. But they're just going around on their little press tour. And not only was one of the most insane things that she said was that she thought that she would go to a Chiefs game and meet Taylor Swift as if Taylor Swift publicist tree pain will let gypsy rose blanchard anywhere near taylor swift but that was insane but ryan her husband the worm he went 
on his Instagram and talked about like the haters, right? And Gypsy Rose writes this comment. I was going to, for a second, do Gypsy Rose voice, but then I decided not to. You're welcome. She says, Ryan, don't listen to the haters. I love you and you love me. We don't owe anyone anything. Our family is who matters. If you get likes and good comments, great. If they, if you get hate, then whatever, because they don't matter. I love you. Besides, they jealous because you are rocking my world every night. Yeah, I said it. The D is fire. Fire emoji. Happy wife, happy life. Guys, quick, quick, uh, quick challenge to everyone who's married on here. Um, just send that to your husband. I think I'm going to do it just to see what he says about it. Is that too gross? But I'm, I feel like if Alex like got a text like that, he would like drop his phone and be like, ah, what's going on here? Cause what a weird thing to say. What a weird thing to say. Um, yeah, I said it. The D is fire. Happy wife, happy life. Just kidding. I, I'm now regretting issuing that challenge because I don't want the world to ever know that I've done anything like that ever. I get mortified every single time I have to announce a pregnancy, which has, you know, happened to me four times as I have four children. Every single time I have to post, maybe this is too deep. It is. It's definitely, and now I'm ver- veering into weird, gross territory. But every time I have to post that I'm pregnant, I just get so embarrassed. Or like when I walk through the store and people see me with my four kids, I'm like, what do they think of me? Do they think I'm just like some kind of like sex crazed horn dog? you know? And then like every time I announce a pregnancy, I'm like, they've known that I've done it. Although I've been like, you know, married for nine years. Anyway, anyway, this is getting gross, but Gypsy Rose started it, I guess. Anyway, so there's that. Do we have anything else to talk about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? You want to talk about that? Yes, please. What a treat. Except for the reunion last night wasn't giving me everything that I wanted to, but I bet you if you're a longtime viewer of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, it did give you everything you wanted it to. It just didn't give me everything I wanted it to give me personally. And because everything is about me, I was a little disappointed because last night was mainly about like who Monica is and then like some like little petty interpersonal workings with the girls. But I've been asked multiple times to give a breakdown of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I don't think that I am the vessel for doing that because I am here late in the game and and like it's not my culture. I don't want to commit bravo cultural appropriation but the story is this is the fourth season of the real housewives of salt lake city jen shaw was a cast member and then she got arrested she got arrested for committing financial crimes and frauding old people out of millions of dollars she is now in jail with um the fake steve jobs girl What's her name? Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes. She's in jail with her for unrelated crimes, but still they were both scammers. They're both in Texas now and in the pen. Anyway, fourth season. And from what I heard here, the show was kind of slowly dying. Jen Shaw left. They didn't really have much to talk about anymore. The drama was just dumb. In comes a new girl named Monica. And when I watched the beginning of the season, I kind of liked her. I was kind of like, all right, she like... She's fun. She's fresh. Um, You know, she's owned up to her past mistakes. Like she had an affair with her brother-in-law. Then she got excommunicated from the Mormon church. And she was just like very open with that single mom. And she was cute. She seemed like a generation younger than everybody else, you know. 
But the big scandal of this whole season was the finale episode, Heather Gay, who is the author of the Bad Mormon book. You might have heard of that if you're not familiar with the show. She used to be a member of the church. Now she kind of talks about the complexities of the church culture and whatnot and and everything. And she she claims on the show that while they were in Bermuda on like a cast trip, which they take every season of the Housewives, like they put them in a different location and then drama ensues there and they have these dramatic dinners and whatnot. Heather claims that she got some information confirmed to her that she had been investigating and she needed to tell all of the women, minus Monica, what she learned. So she gathered everybody on the beach and in the most dramatic way possible, which by the way, I feel like I could credit a lot of her dramatics to the fact that she was Mormon for a very long time because a lot of the times when I listen to her talk, the cadence in which she speaks is very like sacrament meeting talk or like Relief Society lesson where it's like, adjective, adjective, truth bomb. Adjective, adjective, then here's what I want to say. Like the if you listen to her, like sometimes the cadence is kind of like, oh, like that's like kind of the compelling like testimony Sunday cadence of speech. You know what I mean? Anyway, she gathered everybody up on the beach and told them that Monica, this new girl that's like kind of infiltrated their group and is the new cast member on the season, was actually the creator and somebody who maintained this account called Reality Von Tease. Tease, like, tease. Um, but it's like a play on Dita Von Tease, the burlesque dancer. Anyway, and... The women went wild because Reality Von Tease was somebody that was constantly spilling tea about them and saying like, hey, I have a lot of connections in Salt Lake and here's like truth and rumors and stuff about these women. And she would say things about Jen Shaw and Monica used to work for Jen Shaw, but she wasn't really paid by Jen Shaw. It was a weird thing. And then she ended up later on testifying against Jen Shaw, which that was interesting. But so Heather tells all the women hey you know this girl that's been like bullying us and like releasing a lot of information she's here with us right now and she's totally frauded all of us so then they go to dinner and they play this weird like truth confession game that heather set up and then heather sets it all up like i actually have truth about monica monica you are reality vontis and then chaos ensues and it is insane if you haven't already watched it you need to watch it. It's insane. So then the finale didn't really address that that much. Like they barely skimmed the surface of that. I don't even know if they said the words reality Von Tease last night during the reunion. Like maybe they said it in recaps, but like not really during the reunion. Anyway, insane stuff. And I'm fully on board. I've always had like one, one foot in the water of Bravo. Um, and then I've just been like, okay, I'll just like kind of get all the major beats. Like all the news that I have to know will find its way to me no longer this is so good anyway that's it that's it for our updates um i am going to leave you all now thank you all so much for being so patient during these last couple weeks um and i'm excited we have some fun things coming up i'm hoping to launch if you made it this far into the podcast here's some fun news i'm hoping to launch a newsletter next week i'm kind of trying to figure out like how to structure it because here's the deal I want to invest time in it and I want it to be something that's like worth it for me, but I also don't want to be like a money hungry life sucker. 
so I don't want to make it where it's like everyone must subscribe to this new newsletter or whatever but so I'm trying to like figure out how to structure that and then also I'm trying to figure out like the last logistics of doing the tv club when I put out signups for the TV club, almost 400 of you guys said that you wanted to join. So it's going to be like a monthly show that we all watch and we discuss together. And I'm going to like put out little challenges and like that kind of stuff. And that will just be like a fun little free thing. Um, so hopefully that's coming in the next couple of weeks. So we have some fun things going on. If you're new to the podcast, uh, you can follow us at, at I just want to chat on Instagram. And you can follow us at, at I just want to chat podcast on TikTok. Follow us everywhere. We also have a Facebook group called... I just want to chat. Can you believe it? Anyway, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And if you want two free re- two free weeks of VidAngel, go to vidangel.com and use my code want to chat, and that will help you filter out whatever show you want to watch and make it, you know, family appropriate. It doesn't work for every show. And I do use a guide on my page. Like I'll tell people on my what to watch recommendations, if a filtering service will work for you or if it won't because like with succession for example it's very hard because every single word is like f words but like shows i just watched what did i watch i watched good grief the other day and it was a very very good and moving movie and they say the f word a couple times that vidangel would totally clean it up the new movie self-reliance with jake johnson totally would clean it up so anyway go to vidangel.com and use my code want to chat for two free weeks of your subscription all right We'll see you next week. Come hell or high water. Hell or high water. I'm mumbling through my promises now. Okay. Love you all. Bye.